Welcome along to season eight of the Make Life Work podcast. I am Cy Jobling, side project hustler for over two decades, whilst being a father of two and full-time engineering manager. This podcast is all about finding a balance between life, work, and any side projects. So I invite along people from around tech to talk about some of the projects they've delivered and the techniques they might use to do so. This week, I've invited along Simon Scarf, Principal Software Engineer at Cinch in the UK. I only recently met Simon through our side project community on the side, but he's been fascinating me with his habit tracking project ever since. As a family man with a full-time job, he's certainly got some insights worth sharing on this podcast. So without further ado, it's time to find out more. This is Making Habit Trackers with Simon Scarf. So welcome along, Si. How are you doing, mate? Uh, not too bad, thank you. How are you doing? I'm all right. As we were saying in the preamble, it's Friday. I've got those feels. I don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks where I've been kind of ca- counting down to the weekend a little bit. Ooh, maybe we can go into that in a moment then. Um, just just a yeah I'm like, well, let's get into it straight away right you know yeah I, we've only just recently met um through one of our communities on the side but your story fascinated me but let's before we go into the sort of habit tracking side of things that we're going to talk about later let's set the scene so what is it you do at the moment how did you get into that position where you're at now yeah I'm sorry I'm a principal software engineer at a company you might have seen advertised on the telly called Cinch um just a bit there's a fella who lots of people have opinions on advertising <laughs> for us um we don't know names <laughs> um oh okay then yeah no it's fine I'm, I'm good. i like him <laughs> he doesn't divide me i like him yeah yeah i'm okay with him so so i've been working there um since june yeah we we sell cars online um it's quite a new new growing company i think i think they first went live just over a year ago with their current offering um so it's quite quite a fun company to be at sort of scale scaling out getting lots of people in interesting cultural problems and stuff like that um prior to that i was at the bbc for quite a while nine years sort of doing doing everything and anything there yeah like so so i i started sort of working in the northeast in and around agencies doing wordpress um web web development stuff and then sort of came across the country to salford um when they opened up in well i came across in 2012 and sort of learned a bit of proper software engineering um there no 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 we'll get back to wordpress it's fine um um, but yeah yeah sort of learning how to write good quality code your testing your continuous integration all of that good stuff and yeah i was there a long time um and sort of mostly because it offered a real versatility like uh, being able to do lots of different things grow my skill set try different domains try new new um job roles um I, I sort of worked worked my way up to team lead which is kind of kind cool. of across between the engineering man, manager side of things and mm-hmm. sort of a, what i do now and that's i guess that's that's kind of between there and such and and yeah i became a principal software engineer at the bbc um and then yeah back in june sort of decided it was time for a new challenge to coin a cliche 
A little bit of cliche, but I completely get yeah. it. You know, nine years is a great innings in any company. And I think there is a bit of a kind of cultural split between the North and South in this sort of, you know, brand loyalty. But again, I'll say nine years, you must have seen so much change in your time at the Beeb. And I know we've got a mutual acquaintance, Mark, as well, who's there for a while. Yeah. So I'm just curious what sort of stuff you did while you were there and, you know, how you found it. Um, yeah. So I started off in an area called Knowledge and Learning, uh, which is a very worthy part of the BBC. Um, so they do things, everything from like teachers' websites, which kind of is the equivalent of, do you remember at school, you, they used to have wheel in a video and play you a video and, and it was like what someone had recorded at 4am on BBC <laughs> Two or what have you. Yep. They're all now on a website somewhere. So it was setting up those websites, um, bite size. And yeah, Great. then I got to jump across to BBC Sport, which um, was, a, was a fun scaling problem. Um, like, okay. well, not problem, like solve problem at the BBC, but you know, it's it, how do how do we release stuff to lots and lots of people at once? How do we handle events where 20, 30 people might be trying to look at this thing at the same time? You know, the fun stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then also a bit of platform stuff as well. Um, in terms of well, like, like my last role was working on what they called the presentation layer which was a bit of a design system a bit of a rendering layer for for sort of it, it was theoretically for all of the bbc but it like everything it starts started only across a few things um new sport kids stuff like that and yeah mm. that was that was fun to see things at a different layer of abstraction like you've got a different end user at that point you're, you're moving from your end users into into sort of developers and sort of helping them do the right thing so it was nice it was fun it was fun um yeah like um yeah i got to work with and meet lots of different people got to got to meet meet mark who was really good at the beginning when we were setting up sort of remote first because we were a distributed team and he'd previously done it with his team that was really good Mm. um worked worked quite a bit with um the accessibility team i know you've had jamie and lion on here um so so yeah that that they were always great and really supportive and learned so much work working in that realm um yeah there's a reason i was there for nine years it wasn't it wasn't out of some sort of some sort of sense of imprisonment there was always something new to learn always a new challenge to take on so sure no, I mean, I've, I've just realised we are getting a cohort of BBC people on here now, aren't we? The, the ex-Beebs. And yeah. I, I think it just says a lot about, I know it's a British podcast, but it does say a lot around the Beebs tech and the kind of people it attracts, you know, and the fact you're loyal for so long, it's not like a short stint. So, yeah, you, you saw a lot of things, and obviously it's such a huge organisation to work across. What would you say was your favourite part? And I don't want to dwell on the bad, but what was your favourite point? Um, it was it was on a project um, probably would have been sort of 2014, 2015. Uh, mm. I don't know if you ever came across it, but it was a project in learning called BBC I Wonder. No, I don't I know if that, that rings one. any bells. It actually, like the first time BBC Food got cancelled, um, it got cancelled as well. But the uproar was all about BBC Food, so so it sort of died with a bit of a fizzle. Um, it was yeah. it was like it got it got cancelled, and and this right. was very much in in that uh, it was it was supposed to be like adult educational um, mm. work. 
um and and yeah it was really good project uh it taught us the the value of working collaboratively like really saw um the benefits of working directly with editorial users like bbc's full of silos and stuff like that but by working directly alongside the editorial people we were able to understand more about what they were doing and what they were trying to optimize for and help directly and yeah it it was one of those projects because it wasn't so big and so heralded we had quite a bit of bit of space to do things right and do things well like really look into sort of user research look at our competitors it was was similar time to when um medium was first coming about so there was there was a lot there around you know medium with its sort of reading times and stuff like that we we looked at all of that and sort of how how you can come up with some of these formats that were applicable to more than just we had a format called guides um where it was about taking you through a step-by-step sort of article if you like um it's it's, like a recipe almost food recipe yeah yeah yeah. that was one of the potential end cases would would be a recipe or something like that but like Mm. there was all sorts of room for multimedia games maybe maybe applying this onto like bite size and quizzes and stuff like that so yeah it was just it was just a really fun project and at the end of it you're like you know not a huge amount of people were looking at it but it was it was you got to the end of it, it's like, no, it was really good, that was. Working with end users a lot more frequently as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just really start to value, I don't know, the benefits of working without really, really heavy pressure. But there was a reason I went from there into sport. Like, it was interesting <laughs> to to experience that pressure, you know. And it's not... Sure. And I should take a step back there. It's not, it's not strong pressure. It's more, okay, how do we work pragmatically with fixed deadlines? You know, if I wonder yeah. was late, say, oh, this probably isn't going to be out for another couple of weeks. You, we, we wouldn't have been able to phone up Seb Cohen, ask him to put the Olympics back, you know, a couple of weeks or so. So, yeah. I mean, if you've got contacts like that, maybe you could, but <laughs> you're yeah, pushing yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. I mean, like I say, I don't dwell too much on the BBC, but it just sets a nice context for what you're doing now. So you're a principal engineer when you're in the Beeb, and now you're a principal engineer in Cinch. What sort of things do you do in that role, and or maybe not do specifically as well? That's a that's a good one because it's a, a maturing role in our industry at the minute. I don't I don't know how it is in your area, but like there there's not much literature out there. But there they are starting to form some literature around it. Um, lead Dev have got have got some good good talks around this stuff, and there's a couple of books out there. So a lot of this has been trying to piece it together ourselves about what this needs to be. And I've seen in our industry that there's like there's kind of two types of principal there's there's your type who are like a super senior expert coder um which i am not um (laughs) and and then and then there's 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 the type where it's almost like a a supporting role a, a way of sort of fostering alignment and sort of accelerating teams and that that's kind of what we're doing at at cinch um we've got two types of principals um we've got uh what what i do which is i'm a tribe principal or department principal so 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 there's two of us in our in our tribe and we sort of oversee four or five squads or teams Mm -hmm. um and and sort of sort of 
give them support. Um, and then we've got the um, practice principals who are your sort of subject matter experts, your domain experts, and, and sure. they, they, they might have a focus on accessibility or observability or any of the other abilities. Other um, but we all kind of work together and do kind of the same things. So like we, we've built a lot of our culture on our teams having autonomy. Um, so, so a lot of our job is to, is to provide some alignment alongside that autonomy. So we're not, we're not all repeating ourselves or going off and doing something in this direction. that's completely in, in opposition to what someone else is doing. Um, yeah. so we do that by embedding ourselves in teams. Um, we might have workshops on different things like me, me and fellow principal Dan, um, had recently been running some sessions on event driven architecture, for instance, to, to sure. sort of try and advocate for, for good design decisions with their APIs, um, that we assemble working groups for cross-cutting pieces of work that affect lots of different teams, identify golden paths. That's that's kind of what we're trying to do. So we, we're like a supporting role, but to try and help people do their job day-to-day -day a bit better. Got it. Yeah, it sounds similar to the role we've got at Azos, actually. Uh, the principals are like looking after a lot of teams in their areas, they're like their designated areas. Um, but equally, as a community, make sure that it's aligned and they've got a tech strategy in place. And it's, you know, you're ticking the boxes from an autonomy perspective, but not going off into the Wild West. So going, yeah, we don't want to use that system. We want to use AWS instead of Azure. Not, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not an option. But that, why do you want to go that route? What can we do to make it easier for you? So, yeah, I think, like you say, the role is definitely maturing. Like the engineering manager role, which I'm in as well, because I'm yeah. less into the tech as in my role more about personal development and community and collaboration and improving ways of working. So it's a bit more, dare I say, scrum master in a way, but focus on line management more than anything in our place. Do you have something similar in Cinch, like an engineering manager role? Yeah. So engineering manager as a role only came a thing in the last three to six months. Um, right. Up until now, it's been quite a bit flatter, um, but obviously that that doesn't scale infinitely like there's a point at which you put pressures on other parts of the organization either people people high up um yeah. or, or people people close to the developers end up doing a lot more than they need to do and you know like a, look at the classic te tech lead who's also a line manager who's doing all of this stuff generally um you start to compromise on one or the other your, your tech or your team management at any one time so yeah, that we're at that point in that growth where we're now we're now bringing bringing that role in and trying to trying to figure out what that looks like. Like, how do we how do we make that effective? How do we make sure that we're not building in lines of bureaucracy and 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 middle management for the sake of middle management? Trying to find trying to find the value in that role. And that special point in between, you don't want it to go too mad either way, but you do need some yeah. sort of structure and organisation just to keep people on check really you know and you're yeah, in a good place absolutely that's cool i mean we could talk about this all day and we're not here to talk about it, unfortunately but it, it just set a scene because i think what we were talking about before you didn't really get to be hands-on in the code as much now because of your role being more collaborative and sort of overarching strategic so let's talk about your little side projects you've been interested in habit tracking a little bit haven't you and i'm just curious yeah. what prompted that interest which specific parts of your lifestyle you were curious about monitoring yeah earlier when i was sort of thinking about this stuff 
Um, I was trying to remember when it all started, and <laughs> I, I like I think it, I think it was like peak web 2.0 days when you had you had everyone was into user user generated content mashing up data and stuff like that and there was there was a there was a site that came around and i can't remember what it's called like i can't find any reference of it in google or anything like that but i'm sure it was something like datum.com or like as in individual data uh and and it's kind of a precursor to um Airtable, it's like it was a very oh, yeah. sim- simplistic rendering of what say google sheets came um but it essentially you you were able to to log whatever you wanted and it would generate graphs off the back of it and nice. and because i because i was hilarious and very very immature i i decided <laughs> to start logging my bacon intake um, and and so, so every time I consumed a bacon-based product from a bacon body through to PM pancetta soup, for instance, I'm not sure. Very fancy. No one, no one quibbled on that being necessarily bacon or not, but that's that's where <laughs> I was coming from. Um, started started um, measuring those, and and like it was it was the first thing I I actively tracked and i ended up having to draw draw a line under it and stop doing it because i found that i was eating going out my way to eat bacon to fulfill a tracker and then that was kind of my first exposure to if you if you want to move a metric you measure it you know if you like if you start start measuring things i've seen in teams if you set someone an objective they will they will change their behavior to meet that objective potentially or you don't even have to say it's an objective just say i'm going to start measuring this um and Mm -hmm. that was that was my first exposure to it and like yeah during that time i got i got really into it was when i was starting out in web dev sort of 2006 to 2008 um and going to tracking as much as possible i liked i liked last last fm that was a that was a massively influential site for me Uh, i love that um and and sort of got gradually moved towards the um quantified self movement which is obviously it was a buzzword about 10 years ago i'm not sure if it's still a buzzword these days but people who are involved with it web 2.0 yeah it's, it's very much in there sort of got into that a, a bit sort of started following a lot of the a lot of the blogs and what have you and and yeah i always felt found myself drawn to anything where it's like you know giving these large monolithic companies all my data you know just just because you did um, and then yeah over time um i've sort of sort of adapted that to weight loss running and and with that some of the, some of the pains you get with with giving data to, to these big companies like they acquire other companies companies go out of business they, they much much with the goodreads stuff recently they deprecate their apis and you know they're the the good api givers giveth and they take away um there's there's you know there, there's a a sense of uh, you don't you don't have a lot of control over some of this stuff um so yeah that the playground is my attempt at doing that to a degree um i i sort of it started off as a spreadsheet that i found on reddit to calculate your total daily energy expenditure um it's a google spreadsheet um and i was filling that in and i lost a fair bit of weight using it then i was like i'm not really happy with the graph this is the giving us out um 
how do I export data from a Google spreadsheet? And uh, like one of its really primitive APIs is a, is a, well, it's been deprecated since, but it was a, you add like .json on the end of your spreadsheet and it exposes it as wow. a, as a JSON blob effectively. Uh, and I've just started using that to have a mess around with another thing I wanted to mess around with at the time, which is the D3 visualization library. So, and then over time that kind of that kind of evolved it a bit into what what i have now um which is a lot more complex if you need help with your side project either for inspiration support or just general feedback remember to join our on the side community on slack there are a number of previous guests from the podcast in there including sam hardacre mike street dom hodgson and mark lismore pop on over to ontheside.network, which will take you straight through to registration, and I'll see you in there. Fantastic, and I like that how, because I'm in a similar position to where you were very early on then. I've got a Google Sheet full of data that I've pulled in from everything I can think of, to be honest. You know, you mentioned Goodreads. They've got an an API, but I use the RSS feed just to feed it into the sheet. Last affirm, I've not in touch for a long, long time. I think I lost out loving that data. I just wasn't, you know, scrubbling the data anymore. But it's just, it's all in a Google Sheet. And I'm like, yeah. this is great to build a quick chart, but it's not very portable. It's not very flexible. It's not mine still. It's still Google's. Yeah. And I'd rather own it myself. So that that's where you call my attention with your playground. And what kind of setup have you got going on now then? What What sort of tech is going on under the hood and... How does it all talk to each other? What's, what, how's, tell us how it works, if you can. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not that it's not that different to what you just described. Um, it, cool. There's like in, in fact, I I have that exact same. I think it's if this then that action to feed my Goodreads RSS feed into into yeah. sort of my WordPress blog. That that's effectively what it's doing at the minute. But yeah, it's it centrally hangs off of my old WordPress blog, which have been. I've been running, I think, since about 2006. Um, And, yeah, I go through phases of writing to it and not. Everything feeds into there, and then I can export from there using a WordPress plugin called WP GraphQL, uh, which was for a while under the stewardship of um, Gatsby. Um, But I have a feeling it's, it's now self-run again um they they went through a period where they were buying up everything related to graphql like for for their means yeah why not why not it's a yeah it's a very lucrative market at the minute i understand um but yeah I've, i've got that i've got that exporting all of my data using that and then currently i'm i'm consuming that in my own static site statically generated blog um which is the playground site as you see it um and mm-hmm. that runs on a on a piece of technology called astro which is another one right. of the sort of the new kids on the block in that gatsby next 11t type type world like a node sort of package sort of yeah thing. yeah it's, what it's, talking about here yeah 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 you you've got it um but yeah <laughs> it's 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 very early early days on that on that itself, but it could, it could be anything. It could be Gatsby. It could it could be WordPress itself, I guess, to to export any of this stuff. 
Um, and and yeah, so everything feeds into that WordPress blog, and that's how I export it using this GraphQL thing because it's quite portable. Um, and then to get it in there, there's a variety of ways of getting it in. Like it started the simplest way possible, which was if if this, then that scripts. Um, I never checked out Zapier because IFTD always did what I needed it to, to do, but I I understand Zapier is another one of those services that sort of acts similar to Yahoo pipes back in the day, right? I like just trying to wire data. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Showing our age a little bit now. Yeah, yeah. Zapier's not far off of this and that, uh, but I think it's a lot more. Um, it's more enterprise. It's, it's a lot yeah. more solutions available, and I've noticed even with like um, I think it's Goodreads, it, it's better at parsing RSS out with the custom fields. Whereas if this and that struggles, it's just like you got description block, chuck that into something. Whereas it actually transposes those the variables out and to use them yourself. Yeah, so I came up against that actually um, with um, I, I import my films from Letterboxd, and mm. that's that's largely imported through their RSS feed. But their RSS feed is is kind of a blob of stuff. It's got some custom fields in, but it's quite out of the box solutions. Don't really pick up on those custom fields. Um, so I actually I actually pull that in the other way. I um, I I coded a mini um, WordPress plugin to to sort of periodically download that RSS feed, pass pass out um, various fields. It does a little bit of look up to get a, a recent version of the movie poster or something, and then it stores it in the WordPress database. So that's that's happening on my WordPress box itself rather than being pushed in externally. And cool. yeah, I, th- I think there's something something to it. It's, it's kind of, I'm, I'm just slamming in whatever I need to slam in to make it work. Um, like the latest, <laughs> the latest thing I logged in was um, my podcast listens. And yeah, I've just done a little node script that logs into overcast.fm, downloads uh, an XML field, and then spits that out sort of into into the wordpress api and that's that's run on an aws lambda because it's doing quite a bit of custom custom stuff mm. to to get that working but yeah it's i was, I was quite happy how that how that came out because it's it's the fir- i think it's the first time i've done anything in this thing where i'm providing some data that isn't available elsewhere like uh, unless i physically log into my private overcast account i can't really see what i've been listening to recently which you know sure. it's it's podcasts but yeah it's pretty sweet yeah, yeah. yeah. i did um I was, I was similar to you i was curious about the podcast i've been listening to but in apple podcasts that's my favorite because it synchronizes all my, app, my devices but um again there's no api there's no sort of solutions to do this for you so i started in i found out through i think it was a stack overflow thread that there's some sql light underneath it well, okay, interesting. Let's go and have a play with SQLite. I've been so long since I've been playing with SQL and code. Like, buy me where I'm start. But again, you can just start going through it all, create a little SQL script that extracts a CSV. And that's what it's doing so far. But equally, I'm like, cool. I've got data to play with, but I've got nowhere to put it. So I'm, I'm going to tap up your WP plugs plugins to see how I can get that into my database because that's what I'm trying to get at now. You know, I've got all this data stuck in Google Sheets which is not a bad thing, but I'd rather have it in my personal database. Yeah, I think I think it's a bit of a 
it's a bit of a shame of of all of this movement like this 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 movement the the i think i think i've seen it called the indie web thing like being able to take yeah. back your own data it's it's quite focused and biased towards towards um mega nerds like myself who, who <laughs> are like yeah i get to write some graphql that's awesome isn't it you know um said no one ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I Absolutely. <laughs> it's like it's 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 very much tailored towards that where when i, I think there are a, a good section of people who are they're not completely tech technology averse but you kind of want that that apple it just works kind of approach and that there's so yeah. little to this side of things i don't yeah i i Last I heard, Tim Berners-Lee had a little project on sort of owning your own yeah. data, but I don't, I don't know where that went. Like, I think it was owned by a private company, which makes you go, "Is it going to work? Isn't it going to work?" I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. You're right, but it was, he, he put his name behind it, didn't he? It was just like this is the way the web was meant to be. It wasn't meant to be yeah. the big Facebooks and Twitters. You meant to own your content, and it was decentralized. So try this, but I don't think it went anywhere. You're right. It's probably over a year ago when this came out, wasn't it? Yeah, I've I've no idea what happened to it. I know that they talked about it in the in the indie web circles, mm. but yeah, obviously it had a bad smell. Didn't work very well, unfortunately. Either that, it's just <laughs> waiting for that killer application. A lot of these things just they need need something to make it take off, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's a there's a lot in tech these days where it looks like solutions looking for problems, but yeah, potentially. But let's go back to you know what we're doing with the habit tracking. I, I don't know about you. I'm fascinated by data in a sense and about my personal data, but only because you, as, as you mentioned earlier, if you're not measuring it and observing it, there's no point. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, I do want to track my weight, for example. I want to make sure that I'm not getting obese, for example. I just want to. I'm not bothered about point grams or anything in, in a in a graph but if we see a general trend of stable stability or you know a little wobble i'm happy with that so it works well running similarly if i'm getting out of habit over on a monthly basis probably need to think about doing something else so how do you feel like are you using this data to your own benefit yet it, it depends on the on the data um the weight stuff is, is definitely something i've leaned on a lot um mm. over the years like it kicked off this entire thing um but one of one of my problems is i'm not very good at sustaining these things like it's it's like a roller coaster sometimes when i when i look at the graphs of these things and at the minute i'm on a, i'm at the i'm at the right end of one of these periods like gone through a bunch of weight loss and it's been driven a lot by me currently pulling my withings data into this playground site um but like i know i know over the years i've found different things that have worked for me in terms of managing weight loss and stuff like that it's weirdly stuff that still isn't in some of the big weight tracking things like the big one for me is um sort of rolling average of your weight and it's it's for exactly what you just you just described the ability to to spot a trend oh i'm creeping yeah. up rather than you know so sometimes you know you have a big meal like you it, it can put on like half a stone overnight and go oh no it's all gone terribly but actually yeah a couple of burps later and you're okay again <laughs> um so so like i i really value that but 
while some some of them have a i don't know some sort of lines moving they don't really capture mm. the trend so that's something that i'm actively working on at the minute sort of sort of building into this into this project so i can start and in fact the first iteration of this thing i had exactly that to the point where i had a little toolbar that that allowed me to adjust what average i wanted to average out my weights for so i could i could see oh look over the last 14 days it's been about average but the last week or so maybe i'm going up slightly it was really useful for that so that's that's definitely something i i i I want to iterate and do more for you kind of lead into the next point i was just wondering what have you learned about you know getting going through this process and is there anything you'd like to try and fix about that as well yeah, I think sometimes you don't need to track absolutely everything. Goodreads is an interesting one. There were a couple of years ago, I, I found myself chasing their yearly targets of books. And, and if like, I got really frustrated at it because there was one day where I, I literally sorted by number of pages to try and find my next book. And I was like, this, this probably isn't how you should be consuming art, Simon. Like you, you're <laughs> nope. probably compromising on some of the some of the quality there uh, so so there's definitely that there, there's definitely the idea of understanding why you're measuring something and sometimes you don't need a great reason like uh, i think i think for this project I'd like even just being able to get a bunch of stuff on the same set of axes and being able to maybe maybe point out some correlations oh look mm. here i was running a lot more than i was there and look my weight went up or down you know that that's definitely something that i'm kind of aspiring to have the project do nice yeah a lot of it's just just fun i've got my next bin day displaying on there it, I, I don't really use it i just look out my window and look what all, all the neighbors are doing but it was just <laughs> it was just a fun fun api to kind of reverse engineer and sort of I, I used it to teach myself a bit more around types and typescript but like you nice. know it was it was just one of those things that that was fun to do and yeah i think that's the other thing is like try not to take it all too seriously some stuff's gonna not work some stuff's gonna work and it's just it's a hobby piece largely and and i think i said before there's there's like i'd I'd like i like the idea of maybe something useful coming out of this and i've structured it in a way that hopefully if something useful does come out i can break it off and develop it into that thing but i don't really want to push that you know if there's if there's something in this weight tracker that's like, oh, that's that's a nice little feature. Maybe it will be a good Chrome extension or something like that for an existing website. Maybe there's something mm-hmm. there. But again, don't kill yourself over it. It's a laugh in it. Well, it should be. Like you're saying, uh, the key to a good side project is you've got to enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, there's no point. And I think a lot of people see side projects as the chance to build their new big project, their new business model or whatever. You're like, fine. If that's what you want to go after, all for you. If you're not enjoying it, though, you probably want to question why. And it's because it's normally quite satisfied personal itch. So if you're not doing that, yeah. then it's real big problems. You made a really interesting point as well, though, about learning TypeScript. And I think that's another reason why a lot of people do side projects is just to learn something. No one's going to benefit yeah. from your bin date apart from you. But at least yeah. in the process, you were like, yo, I worked out the, the types that I need to use in this and the API structure and actually how to apply it into my UX and framework. Yeah, that's been a constant for this thing. That was that was one of the things that sort of made this turn from 
the silly little visualization thing into what it did at the time i was i was in my i was in my team lead style run sort of role doing lots of people management team management which i enjoyed but i kind of mm-hmm. kind of had resolved myself that um actually i wanted to switch back to the individual contributor role and and yeah. i was a bit worried about sort of compromising my current role team lead to go out of my way to do more Cody work and force this because I'm bringing other people into it. So I, I, I use this as a, as a bit of a, bit of an arena to develop some of those skills. Oh, that looks interesting. I've never used storybook before. Let's set up storybook oh, TypeScript. That's a new thing. And it's, it's mm. continued to do that in, in my current role. So, and in fact, like at the time, uh, my project was all in Gatsby and TypeScript and I just wanted to mess on with Gatsby at the time. Cinch, when I applied to them, they were 100% Gatsby and TypeScript. So oh, wow. it was it was actually quite a good a good thing to talk around in terms of in terms of sort of what I've what I've been working on sort of yeah. in my own time or what have you. It's yeah, it's been it's been useful for that. That's a nice little takeaway as well, though. I think if you are looking for new jobs, you know, even just having a bit of a side project or a little playground, as you've called it, to practice things. It's a great topic to bring up in an interview. You kind of go, yeah, I was getting a bit bored, so I started playing around with this tech to see if it works. And actually, didn't realize you guys were using it. Guess what? Got a head start, and I understand what you're yeah. talking about. This is this is a big win in that sense. Yeah, it, it was. And and there's there's something in my current role at the minute. You said said earlier on in terms of um, a lot of my role is around support and giving advice. There mm. there's some val- value in having some experiential tactility to having done some of this stuff like not standing on a pedestal and say do it like this uh, because sometimes sometimes stuff is painful sometimes you know yeah. if we're if we're talking about i don't know upgrading your dependencies regularly or something like that that comes with an implicit pain so so like it serves me better and be able to create a, an area of empathy if if i've got some experience of that directly as well um yeah mm. that that that's been massive and yeah like in terms of learning a lot of the existing tech stack without tearing down what's already there you know oh what does yeah. this do it breaks everything it's a lot better if i do that on my own stuff than you know uh, a big company <laughs> you, yeah. you can't stop people buying their cars at the weekend just by going what how does this work yeah <laughs> <laughs> We'll go down very well. Speaking of weekends, actually, what, what, how do you unwind? Because I mean, you are a family man. You mentioned y- your kids at the start before we recorded. How, what do you do with them? You know, like to, to enjoy and unwind, and you know, how do you find time to do any playground to tinker around? So that's that's changed over time. Like when I started playground, when I was deliberately sort of career crafting, if you like, trying to trying to re re exercise these muscles. I was I was carving out like an hour or two every morning to to do some before work. At the time, uh my partner had an early morning job, so I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning, drop her off there, yeah. and then I had the option to either go back to bed or use those extra two hours and God knows what I was thinking. I used those extra two hours, so that was <laughs> that was how I made it work. Then um, I'm hoping you're a morning person. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> really not. <laughs> Makes it even harder. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I really got good value from it. You know, a really quiet cool. house before the kids get up and everything. That was yeah, yeah. that was that was nice. Um, so that's how I w- work. Then these days, it's a lot. It's a lot more passive. A lot more 
there are natural gaps in the weekend where kids are watching telly or something like that and I might skulk yeah. off to the office and do a little bit of work the other way of of doing it is um sort of there are certain types of work I don't know playing with the installation of one of these new libraries or something like that that I'll just I'll just do while I watch some trash on the telly like doing it last yeah. night watching the apprentice trying to get some unit tests running it doesn't you know I'm not going to die if I miss a key detail in the apprentice and <laughs> and you know if if I'm still working on these unit tests tomorrow that's probably not the end of the world either so it's no. I think it's I think it's just being pragmatic and you know when I when I needed rigid structure sort of finding ways to implement that but now sort of looking for natural thresholds to fall back to if you like yeah and I I completely relate to you on this we're we're up at normally 6am every day in a week my wife's a teacher so I'm up for nearly three hours before anyone at work starts I'm like well I could read and update my Goodreads, or I could actually get my laptop out and do something a bit more constructive. I do, it does ebb and flow depending on how I'm feeling at the time, you know. And I, I, like you, I don't want to overdo it, but I feel like setting a couple of goals for the week helps just keep me yeah. accountable and not on, on you know, point. So in our little community that we've got in Slack, that's one of the models that kind of helps. It's just kind of going, what do you want to achieve this week? Because at least then you can check in halfway through and see if you're making any progress. But everyone's got their own way. You know, some people are like, no, no, I need daily actions. I need to see outputs at the end of the day. I'm like, wow, if you've got the time for that, good job. But as a dad, that's not going to yeah. happen. And you're only going to set yourself up for some failure there, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I benefit from accountability saying, I'm going to do this. Let's do this. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot as well. The other thing is just having a, I don't know, an idea of where you're going with this thing. Like I say, I say I just mess about and do whatever looks interesting next, but there's, there's like a, I don't know, a mental roadmap that I've got there to, to sort of sketch. It'd be good to do this. It'd be good to do this. And there are some aspirations there that, you know, it'd be good to eke this thing towards, even if it's not like big upfront design, I'm going to sit down 12 hours a day and create this opus of a project. Uh, that's true and like i say, i don't know if you how you structure your thoughts about what you want to achieve next i like to have my trello board of what's next or something like that but yeah it, it definitely helps just kind of go well, what what is my next goal you know yeah. long term not even not even like ridiculous long term for the month or when i've gone the time i want to get to that point as a milestone that sort of helps me structure my thoughts um yeah. so on that what is your next plan what's your what's the goal for you the next iteration or milestone you're waiting for so i like currently i'm working on weight and 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 yeah. body fat percentage it's i like the idea of reclaiming that from withings who you know their their hardware's really good it's serving me well but at the same time i'm a bit like long term i might not have a withings body fat scale forever and it would be good if you know i could normalize this stuff over time but longer term like i've i've got this this sort of thing in my head um similar to you know the github yearly chart which sort of says oh, yes. you've done so many commits on this i kind of want one of those on the front page of my site mm. thing and on any given day you can go oh 
today Cy weighed in at this Cy listened to this 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 and this he watched this film he wrote this you know it's that's that's kind of what I'm aspiring towards in my head and you know like nice nice interactions I click on that day maybe I can look into the the books maybe I wrote a book review again it's easy to get carried away but that's that's kind of where I'd like to go with it yeah I think I think that's what I'd like um, and, and longer term sort of doing more data rec- reclamation, um, Strava data. I'd like to pull that out. Um, some of it I'd like to invert as well. Uh, like in indie web world, they talk about two modes. There's the publish elsewhere, sing- syndicate on site, Pezos, and then there's Posse, which is publish on site syndicate elsewhere and at the minute it's all in that first bucket um where i'm pulling it in from elsewhere i'd quite like to have some things where it's like oh cool i've logged a run or reviewed a film now i click a button and letterboxd you can have that but i don't yeah i I don't know like i've I've seen that work for things like twitter and mastodon but i'm not sure Mm. how well it generalizes for some of those things but yeah i like i like that idea sort of taking back control of my personal data if you like i mean you said the key word it's personal i'd rather keep it in my space rather than in yours but yeah some nice goals though you know they're, they're there's some quite aspirational ones but at least you've got something to work towards yeah yeah i think i think i'm about six or seven steps away from being to some of those things but yeah yeah nice to have a little stepping stones along the way watch this space so we can put the link to the playground in the show notes if anyone wants to have a look um just to see what the hell we're talking about but i think i've, I've had a scan through i'm like yeah this is a lot of stuff that i'm trying to play around with myself so i'm gonna see what code you've got in the open source world and try to turn it into my wordpress blog i think yeah if you if you or anyone else has any questions on this stuff i'm happy to answer or at least say i don't know i like talking about it it's yeah it's good obviously you're on the podcast so any any advice for anyone that wants to get into habit tracking how how they get set up or where to start out um i think i think similar similar to what you you, you've been doing just just get started with something get you know start start like don't overthink it like you know there's there's a reason like playground is kind of just built on rubber bands and sawdust and (laughs) rats and stuff but it's you know it's all fun in it um should be yeah I'd, I'd very much say that uh if you like if you fall off the wagon in any way when tracking this stuff don't kill yourself about it i find it's better to try and get back on the horse with this stuff quicker um because otherwise you kind of spiral and go oh it's all useless i'm all rubbish and you, you develop bad, bad mental health habits um uh, and yeah like i think i think i read some of that in atomic habits there's a there's a good book recommendation if anyone is interested he James Clear talks a lot about um, sort of what works, what doesn't work, visualization techniques, and it's all very practical and not sort of your normal airy fairy self help like you can do it type things. It's it's like real actionable advice. So yeah, pragmatic life advice rather than dreamy. Yeah, there's a space for that stuff, but I think I think this this stuff really really benefits from from some actions. It's... I think in the nature of kind of being habit tracking around your personal lifestyle, you don't want to kill yourself. It's just more like work out what you're doing, look for those small improvements from what you're tracking and and don't kill yourself, you know. If you want to manage your weight, just do it in small steps because yeah. that's the better way of doing it. And I like your advice about don't leave it too long if you do fall off the wagon because you know from a habitual perspective, it gets worse. 
And equally yeah. from tech, you get that a date. You're like, oh, man, I've got to start again. I want to rebuild this into something completely fresh now. Don't bother. Just keep playing away with what you got. Yeah, when I was going into sort of picking up the playground and picking up coding again, I was, I was like, oh, I've missed so much. JavaScript changes so quickly. <laughs> yeah. and, and it does. That's that's very true. But at the it's same true. time, the concepts, the concepts still remain the same. They're still sound. A lot of the same concepts that they were they were applying back in the day to jQuery. They're, they're still being applied now in terms of keep, you know, simple APIs, keeping things simple, you know, like yep. it's just it's just new words to put on the screen it's yeah <laughs> new words just on to, the screen just, just oversimplify what we do a bit kiss baby kiss one of my favorite acronyms in tech Keep yeah simple stupid well um been a pleasure chatting obviously um people want to reach out to you and talk to you more about this stuff where do they go what, what, what we'll put the playground links in but where else can they find um you? i'm on i'm on twitter as at simon scarf where scarf nice. has an e on the end I should pronounce it Scarfe, I guess. Um, <laughs> and still been sitting on the domain breakfastdinnertea.co.uk since the beginning of time. That's that's where a lot of my st- a lot of my writing goes. I th- part of me says one day maybe I'll join up the playground with my blog, but at the minute, like they're on slightly different domains for now. That's fine. At least you got a couple of playgrounds to play around with. I love the yeah, word play with this playground. Brilliant. Cheers, Simon. It's been brilliant chatting to you. Um, I'll put all those details in the show notes as well. And yeah, we'll take this one offline because I'm desperately keen to find out how you set this up and work with my WordPress blog as well. Yeah, yeah, do it. Cheers, Si. Cool, thank you. Big love and thanks to Si for his insights. I love his idea about fitting small wins around the gaps in his daily routines, especially whilst watching TV. You can find his playground and website details in the show notes. And you can reach out to him on Twitter at Simon Scarf with the E on the end. As we mentioned, he's also around our on the side Slack community, talking about his side projects and helping others while he's in there. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you like and review in your favorite podcast app. It helps us to know who's listening and lets others discover us. You can reach out to us on the Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as at Make Life Work Pod. You can email hello at makelifeworkpodcast.com. We check every single email and find all the details and show notes and archives on our website. Until next time, I've been Cy Jobling and this is the Make Life Work Podcast. Mm-hmm.